For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans use their homes for better living. Whether that be through refinancing your mortgage, accessing cash through your home's equity, or helping you purchase a new home, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333, licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing, equal housing opportunity. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you are listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. We have a special guest joining my co-host Tyler Steggy and I. That is Thomas R. Peterson at Thomas RP93 of Philly Sports Network. Thomas, thanks for joining the show, my man. I'm excited to discuss these topics with you today. Hey, what's up, man? Uh Excited to finally join the Eagles brawl. Uh, I, for, first time I, uh, I, I I listened to you was I think it was wasn't it your second episode when you were interviewing uh, Julian Vanavilli? Yes, sir. That was the second episode. Right. I, w- I was casually writing to work, thinking like I'm, I'm going to listen to to some podcasts because I was running out of all the regular Eagles podcasts that I was listening to, and and I hit this up when when you started recording all these and it was like. Damn, Connor's doing some good job over here. And I just kept listening to it on the regular, and and the last episode you did with with Tyler was was super fun to listen to. I was missing when all was lit, uh, was reading on Twitter that he was going off about Zach Ertz and think, all right, here here it comes. <laughs> and then seeing him vape off about Zach Ertz uh, and last episode that was that was fun. And then you texted me, it's like, damn yeah, I got to get on the show. Yeah, we of course, it. man, but. Well, go ahead, Tyler. We gotta we gotta get some like some fake crowd noise for because we're gonna have these big time guests coming in. So every time Ooh, you yeah, them, yeah, them, yeah them I like that. Out. We need that. Yeah, I definitely I'll definitely look into the adding that sound effect. But Thomas, way to humble yourself real quick because it's not like you're like the most trending Eagles film watcher on Twitter right now or anything. But your film <laughs> reviews are great because even if we disagree with you, at least you back it up with really solid facts and you explain why. And even Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks had to give you that shout out for your TJ Edwards film review, especially with like 
most people on fans don't think t- much of TJ Edwards. Did you kill that film review? <laughs> Man, I've been I've been living on the TJ Edwards hill, so this is uh, this is a real important season for me. If I'm, uh, I'm I might have to die on the hill, but I mean everything I've seen, you, you you've seen it, so. Yeah, I'm real excited about him, uh, and and to the to the whole NFL Network thing. I mean, they asked fans to post it. I posted it. And they they took it. I mean, they didn't pick me out, but, but I mean, I, I'll take it. It was a really fun experience to see my my face there on oh. NFL Network. I mean, that was that was a fun experience. Dude, that is awesome. We can only imagine, man. We can only imagine. All right, that is awesome. But it's time to get into the show. We have some great topics to go run over with you, Thomas, real quick. So, at first, we just need to get into the offensive line because I think that's a huge question. I think people were debating if Peters plays guard this year, right guard this year, the whole entire year, if he puts the pressure on Andre Dillard. Me, personally, I think it definitely shortens Andre Dillard's leash. We saw how quickly the Eagles pulled him out at being right tackle as soon as he showed signs of failure. I don't think his leash is going to be extremely long. I think this pandemic hurts him also. And I'm also in the point where I'm thinking – no matter what happens this year, you have three years left on Andre Dillard's contract. There's plenty of time for him to prove himself to you. And if you can't work something out, there's also the franchise tag. So that's four years of potential contract control past this season. I'm in no rush to put Andre Dillard out there. There's a lot of, I think, nuances of his game needs to work on. I, I know he probably did strengthen up this offseason, but when you don't really get a feel for the guys in the building and they're, they're missing all these valuable reps, and now that the potential of him not even having a preseason to even, like, get a feel for that job. I know he played there last year filling in for Peters, but how he played last year going into this year, the starter week one, it, it doesn't sit right with me completely. I think they brought Jason Peters back to potentially play at right guard, but to alleviate the stress and the pressure on Andre Dillard, if they have to go ahead and pull him and put Jason Peters back at left tackle, where I think Jason Peters is best at anyways. Because I think once you bring him back into the building, he automatically is your best left tackle on your team, and you have to do the offensive line the justice to playing him there. Thomas, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. Do you believe that Jason Pierce can play right guard, and do you believe in Andre Dillard starting the whole entire season this year? I, th- I think you're, you're bringing up some 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 key points in it. So the way I look at Jason Peters coming back is an organizational decision to have as many answers as possible to the questions they might be presented to next season. So you, you hit it on yourself that there's not going to be a preseason uh basically and they're they're not gonna they're not gonna have a lot of time to get new guys into new systems so the the other options that they were looking at would be to bring someone else in um and the 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 top names that were mentioned in regards to that would demand top money and looking at the way the cap situation is is looking right now and even with the last um nflpa uh, agreement that was set up uh, the, the the cap is going to go down next season so that's not an intriguing option then you're looking at matt Pryor, who who played w- really well in the games that he did play in last season so that was um it was a good option but looking behind him you didn't really have guys that you thought all right these guys can really step. I mean, one of the top guys would be Jack Driscoll, um, who, who who is a rookie. So you don't know what you're getting there. Uh, Mylata is can he play guard? I mean, th- those questions are really not great. Um, so Jason Peters, they know what a freak athlete he is and how well he knows the entire system. Been playing on it in it for a long time. So could he potentially play right, right guard well? I think so. They obviously think so. But I I. I I guess I, I understand why the questions would be whether he would do it well. Um, now, I heard uh, Russ Tucker, 
who who um who played football before he's the uh eagles uh preseason tv uh analyst he was interviewed about this and he was asked a question and i think he put it he put it well he played with the bills when jason peters went from tight end to left tackle and he said within 15 seconds he became one of the best left tackles that he had ever seen play so he was in no doubt that he was going to be able to transition to right guard immediately and do it well the other point that he brought up that i found really well is that the two questions the two major questions the eagles had heading into the season is who is going to be the the right guard or who is going to back up right guard for matt Pryor if he was going to suddenly ball out and be a stud and who would be the backup to andre dillard now the big v is gone because yeah uh, andre dillard might flop uh do i think he'll flop no i think the the primarily issue with him was strength and mass and it certainly sounds like he corrected that a lot this offseason um, so there's going to be a transition phase for him, of course. Um, but if he fails, then they have a, a situation where they can put Jason Peterson there. Is that bad for Dillard? Sure, but it's good for the organization because then they're not going to be left with um, a big gap at the left tackle position. And when when everything's said and done, what it comes down to for Howie Roseman and for Doug Peterson, essentially, is winning football games. And I don't care if Andre Dillard's feelings get hurt. If he plays bad, they're going to put the guy in there who can win games. So if you put Jason Peterson there, you still have Matt Pryor to play right guard. Say Jason Peters is suddenly a stud right guard. Perfect. Then you only have one question. That's Andre Dillard. Say Andre Dillard plays bad. You put Jason Peters left tackle. You still only have one question, and that is the right guard situation then. So I think it was a great move. It was a cheap move, and I see a lot of potential with it. Yeah, you hit on that perfectly because that's what I was saying. Bringing Jay, I I was since episode I want to say three, I've been advocating to bring Jason Peters back because you need to. Well, that even after the Brooks injury actually got announced, you need to lessen the blow on the offensive line. You can't have two major vital pieces missing because everybody forgets Jason Peters played at a top seven left tackle level last year. It wasn't like he was bad. He was very great in pass protection, and obviously he's great in run. Uh, a lot of people kill him for the false starts. He obviously lost a step, and I mean, you know, just as well as I do, that rushers nowadays are very speed technician type guys, very technical. And they, savvy were, they, they were bad timing. Sorry to cut you off, Connor, but I, I, I get kind of ticked off a bit about the false start. They were untimely false starts, but let, let, let's not act like he like exploded off the records with false starts. Like it's, it's no, right. it wasn't that bad of a problem. He just killed a few drives on it. So it was untimely. Sorry to buy. Right. And I mean, no, 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 that's fine. And then to analyze that from your perspective and probably from my perspective is he lost his step. So that's him gaining his extra step in past sets. And you're right. It's off timing. Sometimes he's off with it. I, as long as he keeps Wentz upright, I'm completely fine with that. And that's what he does. Uh, you're right. It's you. You go ahead, Tyler. The biggest issue for me with Peters is how he'll do in the run game as a guard. I think he'll be fine in pass protection, but can he actually create push? And that's the biggest question mark that I have. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I was going to lead into is that if he's having all these far starts at left tackle because he needs the extra step, how does he handle smaller, agile interior right. linemen like the Geno Atkins of the world, like the Aaron Donalds of the world? That's where I'm like. But to rebuttal uh, that, he'll no longer be on an island. He's got so many. Oh, yeah, he's between Kelsey and yeah. Lane. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's not like there's no way Jason Peters can play bad at right guard. I'm not saying that because yeah. Jason Peters is a great player. I'm, to me, I just don't think Andre Dillard's going to be ready. I think he's a fine player. I think, I think I Andre think Dillard, Dillard will work I out. Dillard, I, I mean, there should be skepticism for sure. But, I mean, I, I think he, he – for as much red flags that he – I think there were more red flags off the field than there were on the field. Um, I – I, I don't, it's not as if he stepped in and he just like looked 
Uh, his pass protection was his pass protection was rough last year. I would say he handled himself though, right? I mean, you expect that, yeah, right? He's a rookie, and especially coming from the Pac-12, especially coming from the Pac-12, because you're not rarely are you handling uh, very serious pass rushing talent in the Pac-12. So I agree, but when you think think back on it, Connor, the 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 two games where he struggled the most, being thrown into the Vikings game against Everson Griffin, and then the game against. uh, Robert Quinn against the Cowboys, where he gave up a sack Which as well. Both those guys. I thought studs, those I are thought pretty Jerry good guys. Yeah, yeah, and I and right, those are great players. I thought Jerry Hughes kind of beat him like a drum too in Buffalo. But my thing is, you, you're right. Those are two guys. It's not like it's going to get any easier though. Like that's not go, that's not going anywhere. And then you have Winston's durability issues. I don't want my quarterback to get hit that much. While I do, you we said that the lack of preseason is going to affect it. I mean, as long as he's getting a training camp and he's going to the training camp as a starter, that's the biggest thing. As long as he's getting right. a starting left. No matter what we're debating here, that's what's happening. Like that's that's yeah. that's the role right now is and, and I think we'll know by the start of the season. If he's struggling in training camp, then we'll probably see Peter slide if you start to if, hear reports no, or, no no if he struggles with training camp they're not it's not going to happen Diller's not starting week one it's Peter's if he struggles with training camp yeah well, no. if he struggles with right. training camp that, they're not going to go that way but before I before we end this segue into the other segment uh I believe in Andre Dillard that I, I he has a talent I thought he was going to go tenth overall to the Bengals in that that's draft so that's not what you said you've given up on him already no no he needs yeah. to he just needs to have the strength and like Thomas said there's evidence that he's done so that the people talked about that he's done so uh i hope he has i think the the, the one underrated thing about uh jason peters bringing back i i i see the trend of all film uh, media about it is that it's going to create a, a problem but but I, I look back on every quote that andre dillard had about uh jason peters and every one of them were supportive now of course he's not going to go out and say jason peters is a is a big old dummy and i'm going to take his his job now, everything he said was that he was a great mentor for him. He learned a lot from him, and they were working closely together in training camp. So, I, I, I'm not I'm not so sure that the presence of Jason Peters is a bad thing for Andre Dillard first season when he's wow. going to go into training camp as a full time starter. I don't I don't see why he can't contribute from from his presence as well. Uh, you have a Hall of Famer in your shadow. I, I mean, my thing is, Andre Dillard has called out the coaching staff already. He's called out his college head coach. He got in a fight in training camp with Derek Barnett and cried about it. I think, I think there is some, there's so, something, something there is off since he's come to Philadelphia. And, and to, to piggyback real quick on, I, I see the point though on what you're saying. I don't think it's for Peters on his impact on Dillard because Dillard's already had the learning curve. But for the new, there were, I think, three offensive linemen, new rookies being brought in. Peters is going to help them, too. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I don't think that uh, – I don't think Dillard loves the Peters move coming back, if I'm being honest. But like we've said on the, the previous episodes, if he's going to get butthurt over this type of signing, then, I mean – he's, he, he's not the – yeah, exactly. he's not the – Right. Carson the, Wentz the, is the franchise, Jason man. Peters, yeah. Then that's the mind that, – that, that's the least of the troubles, then. I mean, I do believe Andre Dillard being the long-term left tackle of this team, though. No matter what, I just I don't I don't know about it in twenty twenty. That's a big red flag on the scouting uh, department if if they if he doesn't. And well, Joe Douglas. I mean, I, Douglas too, but I think, I mean, I think Roseman. You're right. You know, you're right. But I mean, I think this draft, this uh, this draft that just happened was completely high. Yeah, Roseman segue from Stoutland. Stoutland will get him right. If yeah, I know. I, I think Dillard will be fine. It's just not twenty twenty. I'm not. Like super right. excited about him in 2020, but going forward, yes, I think he's the long term of tackle of this team. 
he has the talent to do so. He's very athletic. He's incredibly athletic and agile left tackle. Anyways, let's 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 move on. Finally, let's go on to. So on this previous episode, I discussed the most overrated player on the Eagles, and I chose Alshon Jeffrey because uh, I just compared his production to Jordan Matthews. It's along the same lines. I understand the context of the situation, though. Alshon faces outside corners. Jordan Matthews mostly faced slot. Has a great opportunity in the slot in Chip Kelly's offense. My thing with Alshon, though, is if you just take out that 2017 season with the Super Bowl, everything since has been kind of somewhat of a disaster. I know in 2018, he had like 800 some yards, but he had a ton of drops. And then the key one in the, the divisional round. But a lot of people think he looks – I mean, he's – He's going to be a part of the team in 2020. I, I, I don't think there's any way that they separate themselves from him now at this point. It's too late. I think they have to go ahead and accept that he's on the team in 2020. Uh, he's put out a lot of fit uh, videos on Instagram, pictures and stuff like that. I think people are, are starting to think that he can have a redemption type year. To me, I think his play continues to trend downwards. The injuries continue to pile up. He's not Chicago Alshon anymore. I, think, I just think his career is coming to an end. I don't think he has – I don't want to say I, – I don't think he – he's just injury prone. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I don't think that's going to – I think it's just, just makes him wear down even more. So The, uh, the fact it, that you got kickback on – He won the Super Bowl. Dude, it's the same thing. We'll get kickback when we – I dude, I, somebody – Leavon uh, Nelson texted me and said, never talk about Derek Barnett on here anymore. <laughs> and I'm like – I because I called him an average player. Like so, it's hard for some people to accept, especially because they do stuff in the Super Bowl. Because Alshon, without Alshon, two thousand seventeen, there's no Lombardi in Philadelphia. I completely understand. That. I'm not an idiot. I know that. Right. But yeah, he, ever he since he didn't fill this role, but he's yeah, ever like since said, he's, a thirty year old receiver having that foot injury and expecting anything from him is just those adjust your expectations. Yeah, no, no, you that's, what, that's what Johnny said. The past episode was that he talked to that uh, injury doc guy on on Twitter and that he has like a twenty three percent chance of playing a full entire season coming back from a Liz Frank injury at this point in his career at age Oh like like lo- like long term? Yeah like, like he has like a twenty three percent on out. Yeah twenty three percent have one. Oh wow. Yeah so yeah. thirty years old had Liz Frank injury it's not gonna help. Thomas, what are your thoughts though? What are, are, are you feeling Alshon twenty twenty? What do you think? Do you think it's the end for him soon? Uh Alshon twenty twenty expectations are extremely low for me. Um, he suffered the injury around was it December tenth or something like mid mid December, um, mm-hmm. and and usually with with uh, Liz Frank injuries, the good news about it is, is I think it's around ninety to ninety two percent of all NFL players that get the injury return from the injury like to ever play again, so that's good. Um, but the, the the problem with it is that the median time of recovery. Now, obviously, that's not the mean, so there's a lot of variance to it, but the median time of it is around uh, 11, 12 months. So at best, that will be around uh, December next year, obviously, or around November next year. Uh, this year, there'll be. Uh, so so the, the amount of games that he was going to, like, he's realistically is going to be able to play. Like you said, he's 30, so he's probably in the higher end of the recovery scale, something that will be sort of similar to, uh, to what Jalen Mills was about a year as well. Uh, I don't expect him to play a lot of games, and and... Obviously, if the if the whole situation with the receiver works out and all these these new guys they they brought in is going to work out, then they're not they're not going to be pushing to get Alshon on the field. If so, in best case scenario, we're not going to see a lot of him. Uh, worst case scenario, all the, the the new guys coming in are going to struggle right off the bat, and Alshon will be a savior. I just don't see the scenario happening. Uh, 
Um, I think they're going to play 2020 out, like you said. They're 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 not going to get rid of him. Uh, get rid of him now. If if they do, and someone takes his contract, that's magical. I don't expect that. So, and I think they're going to quietly move on from him um, after the season. Yeah, I, yeah, that's exactly how I see it playing out. It's he's here. Comes in December, they make him active. He probably plays what like a third percent of the snaps in the game. I I think he's just done uh, as a player too, to be honest with you. But all good points there as well. I, I don't know why people are starting to think because I it's weird that they're so non-committal on like his injury timeline. Like it's weird that you don't get a definite answer on that. All of us have to like assume because Thomas is right. That is the time frame for the injury. But I mean, Alshon was saying that he's going to be back right away. Like the Eagles aren't saying okay. anything on it. Like how Bare he minimum, says it's he has a nine month injury. Bare yeah. minimum. It's and, how he said, and then how he comes out in that press conference is well, Alshon knows he has to prove himself this year. Like I'm like, wow, how do you just tell us when he's going to play? Like, what are you going right. to do? Is he going to get start on the POP? Like it's just. I don't know. There's just so many questions behind this stuff and behind his injury. It's weird. It's just a weird situation. This is, I think, the Alshon situation is weirder than To because the To thing got resolved right away. At least he didn't want. They weren't going to pay him. He wanted more money. They moved on. Alshon, they paid him, and then he goes out and bashes the quarterback behind his back, gets injured ever since the contract extension, even before the contract extension, and then his his play has gone like on a deep downward slope. During his Eagles tenure, it's a weird situation. And it, even if he does step in, it's like that Super Bowl high, though. It's so because you could say that now in hindsight, giving him that ascension is is dumb. But I, they gave it off; they gave it to him off that Super Bowl high. But that ascension is one of the high risk's worst contracts. There's a real chance when Alshon comes back, he'll be Wentz's fourth favorite target. Right, if that, because if that. what Johnny and I have been saying the previous episodes is, and when you were on Tyler with us, with Mike K was on, it's not like Alshon fits Wentz. Like they're not right. perfect. They're not an ideal fit. He Wentz likes, isn't the type yeah. of quarterback to, to target a, a jump ball enthusiast. He likes guys to get separation and create space. That's where he wants to put the ball into. Cause he has tight ball placement. That's Nick, super depressing. When you think of JJ, they go outside. I know I was going to allude into that. Cause I know that you're, you're big on you're. I, Let's actually let's 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 segue into that a little bit. Uh, I watched your film stuff on JJ uh, Arcega White, so I think you did highlight some great uh, routes that most of us weren't paying attention to because he obviously didn't get targeted. But I can't get over the fact that he looks like a stick in the mud when he runs mount when he runs routes. I know he's saying injuries now, but the Eagles were at the such the bare minimum wide receiver, and he was offering them literally nothing. That if he really was injured. Why don't you just sit your second round pick that's injured so he can get healthy? He wasn't really contributing in the first place. The thing with with JJ and his routes last season, I think when you look at the film, you're going to see a lot of variance to it. Like you're going to see some routes that are really, really good. I'm not going to lie. There was a couple of routes and I said, this is not a take a wide side. Because when you're, when you're looking at him, he's playing with the cornerbacks on some snaps. And then you're going to look at 80% of the rest of the game. You go, what the hell was that? Like, where he's, he's running a slant and he's, he's chopping his feet 10 times before cutting inside. Like, who does that? And then, then later in the game, you're going to see another route where he's like, okay, we got something to work with. And you can't rely on that because when you put him, put him on the field, you want to see some consistent good routes from him. But at least I came away with it that he knows some of the stuff and, and – he got better because you you were seeing things from him that you did not see when he was running routes at Stanford. So at least he he improved in that in that area. 
So I'm I'm gonna lean on that into the next season and gonna gonna see see what comes next before judging judging a lot more on him. Right, it's too early, and I've always admitted that every time I comment on him, that I am really judging him way too early. And I think Aaron Moorhead being there is just gonna help a lot because I do actually trust in Aaron Moorhead as a wide receivers coach. I think they made the right hire for once at that spot. But my thing is because a lot of the catches that he gets hailed for, I could go back to like that Giants catch. Well. He was completely Silent. opposition, though. He was completely opposition. He's lucky that his frame – it was his long frame that caught that ball. Because when, when you see – if you zoom in on that and you pause it, he looks up and sees a ball in there and is completely shocked. And that's how his, his reaction is, like this, because he's shocked that there the ball is. And he, his Wait, frame catches that. Talking Wait, I'm are talking, we talking about, about that, that third down catch. Again. Yeah, it was towards the sideline. Yes. He was supposed to do a fade route. Where he got he's, held? Oh, he barely got held. Oh, he barely, see, no. he barely got held. No, about? he got now he got grabbed. Oh, he got uh, no, he got a little grabbed. It was a beautiful oh, adjustment. Good. That was also oh, holding on the play. To be fair, Tyler's right. It was it was very minimal though. It was that dude that corner. If he can't beat what was it Haley? I think it was twenty. Oh, but he beat nine. him though. He, beat he did him beat him. He did beat him. Yeah, no, I'm not saying he didn't beat him. I'm not saying he didn't beat him. I'm just saying he that that that's a weak holding man. Come on. That was weak. That's what all corners do is they pull like that every time. He beat him, though, and he caught the ball. He did That's beat him, and he did. That. But he looked like a fish out of the water when he caught that ball. Anyways, I know. I'm nitpicking. You're right. At least he <laughs> caught the ball because a lot of the wide receivers and the Eagles don't. So, I just – with me and J.D. are taking a white I think he fits once either. I think that is also a thing because I think he is Alshon. I think he is the – not – I don't know if he's Alshon's caliber, but he's the style of Alshon that he is too. So, I'm worried about that. I don't – dude, come on, Tom. You watch the film too. Tyler, you do too. When does Wentz love throwing it into tight spaces where he, the, the guy where he needs – yeah, the red zone. But, I mean, you need to. That's such a short area. But well, I'm talking I, about I, like – I was just going to say, I mean, I think the Eagles have versatility to – and maybe J.J. isn't in their, you know, six- to seven-year plan. But with this – all this speed that they have, I mean, when you have Deshaun, Rager, Hightower, Watkins, if he makes the team, all of these guys are speed demons. but what are they going to do in the red zone? And when you can get to the red zone and have J-Jaw with Ertz, and, I mean, you can have so what? many different – You're just uh, – you literally are saying what I said in previous episodes of why I think he's going to be the next Riley Cooper. Yeah, literally, and, you're, you're, yeah, that's well, literally exactly have, what I'm saying. Have, yeah, and, and, I mean, I'm not going into 2020 expecting much from J-Jaw, but, again, I just – I'm right. always – like, if a guy struggles in his rookie year, I just have a hard time unless I'm he not, just looks like absolute just, I'm going to give – Dillard and JJ are the same excuses I'm giving the rookies this year because this pandemic really hurts fringe players, fringe second year players that need these reps. So right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crucify JJ if he doesn't improve because I'm like, how do you expect him to improve? He didn't get the opportunities that you need. He didn't get the only work he's been able to go do is in Houston with Carson Wentz on an open field where he's not playing against DBs. Like it, this isn't the the reps that he needs. So. I, I'm not expecting much, but I'm not going to go out there like everybody else does on Twitter and say, just cut him already. He's done. I, just, the- I, I love the fact that they were like, okay, they didn't just say we're going to ignore the position. They went out and got Rager, and then they like tripled down, traded for Goodwin. So there's going to be that's – what, that's what I'm most excited That's why for. I thought Howie Roseman separated himself the most from this past draft outside of Miles Sanders because he did take a left tackle still who has good potential. I think yeah. Prince Tegawaga has really good potential. I think if Andre Dillard doesn't work out, they got the prospect that they have now in case that happens. 
Because I think he's I have, really that good. I've been having my fingers crossed for training camp because I want to hear about the competition at receiver and think about the new cornerback group. So there should be right. some really good battles in the one out one v ones and yeah, I'm pumped. I think Hyrisman did a good job separating himself from what the Joe Douglas type picks a little bit because if JDR doesn't work out now, they don't have to kill. They're not in a bad spot because of all the wide receivers they added. Because again, this is a twelve personnel offense. I think if you have speed on the outside in your twelve personnel offense, that's all you need. You think they're still going to be dominated or dominate? Yes, absolutely. 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 Dallas Goddard is your second best receiver. You don't take him off the field. Absolutely. So they will definitely be dominant. Dallas Goddard is not the second best receiver on this team. Yes, he is. Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rager are better receivers than Dallas Goddard. Deshaun Jackson probably won't play that much. Jalen Rager is a rookie. Dallas Goddard Uh, is. That's Ertz in there somewhere? Zach Ertz number one. Zach Ertz is obviously number one. Yeah, no, no, Ertz number one. Goddard's number two. That's an absolutely bonkers thing to say, by the way. Dallas Goddard is not the second best receiver on this team. How many games is Clorox knows you want your clothes smelling fresh and clean, but it's what happens. That's why we created Clorox fabric sanitizers to freshen up your clothes between washes, pre treat extra stinky laundry, and make sure every last odor comes out in the wash. Clorox fabric sanitizers take care of all that and eliminate 99% of odor-causing bacteria. Plus, they're bleach-free and safe for all colors and fabrics. When it counts, trust Clorox. How Jackson play last year? Yeah, okay. That How many seasons did he play? That doesn't happen. But it, it can happen easily again. He's He's old. I think they're going to do a lot of 12 personnel because thinking of, uh, of all the new but stuff they'd have to implement with no training camp, I think they're going to go a lot of 12 personnel. They can't yeah, shy I, away from that. They can't. Then you're taking Dallas Goddard off the field. I, I do think that there's going to be a lot more three wide receiver sets with trying to stretch the field, though. It's, I agree with that. I think, going, they okay, I think okay. they're going to mimic what the Chiefs do a who lot. Play, okay, so who would you play? Who would you put the X wide receiver if you're doing that? Because I'll put Zach Gertz there. No, Deshaun Jackson. At X? Yes. Then who you're putting at Z, Rager? And then who you're putting at the slot, Goodwin? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. And Ertz is your only you guy Deshaun out there? Jackson, oh, it's not no. as if Deshaun Jackson could just be pressed. This whole X thing. Like, you can't just go up and press. I'm not worried about the role in X. Because, look, if they play 12 personnel, put Deshaun at X and put Rager at Z, that's fine with me. I'm just saying you need your possession guys to be on the field because you don't have possession guys. Deshaun, right. And, and Ertz Ert, Ert, Ert will slide outside, but, I mean – we we had that conversation. The whole X Y Z thing. It's just not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting lost in the specific. I don't. I'm not saying the player has to fit that position. I'm saying you need your best wide receivers on the field. They cannot. They can to count on Deshaun Jackson in 2020. Wrong. Wrong thing to do. To count on Jalen Rager. He's going into the season as the number one receiver. Absolutely, he's their best wide receiver on their team. But to count on him. Over Dallas well, Goddard I, is I think wrong. That's why they have depth. I think that's why they got depth, right? Right, but my point is Dallas Goddard is their most proven receiver in 2020. No, he's outside not. of Zach Ertz no, because you can't you, you can't count You're on Deshaun so Jackson. Wrong on this, you are so wrong on this. You can't count on Deshaun Jackson to play a full season. You can't. They, he could easily go down again. Easily, he could easily go down again. All right, let's see. Let's segue <laughs> to the next next topic right here. I love Deshaun Jackson. Don't get me wrong. Thank you know you hate like, him too. No, <laughs> I'm projecting what he is in 2020 because of what he showed me last year. But anyways, who steps up and replaces Malcolm Jenkins' role in the defense this year, Thomas? Uh, I'm saying it's Will Parks. I know you're high on Will Parks too, but I think Will Parks will be the replacement. 
Jalen Mills is going to play a ton of snaps at safety no matter what, but I also think he's going to line up the corner as well, and maybe even nickel depending on matchup situations. What do you think? I think Who's your guy? This is this is my position battle of the season, I think, because this is going to play on for, for the entire season. We talked a little bit about this before we started recording. They have so many options, and we're going to see each and every one of them throughout the season. Kayvon Wallace, if he is just half as good as the Eagles Twitter is making him, and myself included, he's going to be a Hall of Famer in year one. <laughs> and, and and Will Parks, obviously, I I love this guy. Like I I had no idea really who he was before before Eagles uh, signed him. I know I I put out a tweet um, before we even hit free agency because I saw his name being brought up a lot. And I saw he had like a misdemeanor charge at some point. It's like, nope, don't need this guy. And then Zach Rosenblatt um, texted me and said, Thomas, shut up. You don't know this guy. Because he, he has been covering him and, and, and said, you need, you need to look at the film on this guy. And I started looking at the film before Eagles signed him. So I had a ton of film prepared for him. And they signed him like the week after. And it, it, was, it was amazing. This guy plays all over the field. Like in 2018, he played... Uh, he played like 200 plus snaps in the box. He played 200 snaps at free um, at free safety. He lined up at at uh, at edge like 40 snaps rushing the passer, and did the same 2019 when he played uh, a lot more slot corner though, uh, simply just rotating around the defense. And that's the kind of guy that the Eagles need on the defense or they want on the defense. These versatile pieces that they they can move around, so so they're not locked into a scenario where he plays box and then that's it. He can he can be he can be moved around a lot, and that that is such a such a valuable piece for for the contract he was signed to. That I'm I'm super psyched about Will Parks, and he can deliver a hit as well. And so he, so obviously a big fan of him. Sorry, yeah, here's my thing with Will Parks. I studied him a lot too in Denver before this because I he's a jack of all trades, like you said, a player. He's he's Malcolm Jenkins, honestly. He's Malcolm Jenkins without the opportunity, though. Now he's finally coming into the, the opportunity because in Denver, uh, they they had Justin Simmons in safety. Then they moved Kareem Jackson in 2019. And that's why they put Will Parks in the slot more because they wanted to move Kareem Jackson recorded as a strong safety. 2018, they had a whole different uh, defense with Van Joseph. I thought he played really well in Van Joseph's system. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that with Marquis Manuel too. So I, I, I'm i loving his transition to Philadelphia. And like we said off air, the Eagles have to replace 1,377 snaps at safety. Uh, between Malcolm Jenkins and the third safety, there's no way that Will Parks, uh, Jalen Mills, and Kevin Wallace don't inherit all those snaps. Like I think everybody's gonna exactly. play. So and the versatility of them as well, because Jalen Mills is not just a guy who like he's gonna compete for for that uh, for that um, Malcolm Jenkins spot for sure. But if injuries occur and we've seen too much of that in the past couple of years to not be ready for that. He can slide in to play that, uh, play, play the, the, the corner role as well, no matter where that would be while still competing for the, for the spot in the slot and box. And like, who knows how much they're going to go nickel, how much they're going to go dime this year. So they might, they might have a lot of these guys in the field as well. Like Kevin Wallace might, might be brought in more as an outside linebacker type than than a box safety type because like the guy tackles so well and so to, to not have him in the box area whether box or the slot there'll be just there'll be a shame of resources uh, of the guy and to see what he actually is because that's where he thrives now Kawan Wallace had his limitations as a deep safety 
and, and like he 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 tackled well throughout his entire college uh, career, but in the last season was just was just a turning point for him as a coverage um, a coverage safety, a coverage corner. He lined up a lot of slot corner as well. I'm going to say, that's, yeah, he was very good in the nickel uh, at Clemson last year. Uh, a lot of uh, PFF actually compared it to Brian Poole, who I think is a top five nickel corner in the NFL anyway. So it was exactly. interesting to see him there. But, yeah, you're right. He can't he can't play single high. I don't think any safety on their depth chart can besides Rodney McLeod. So it you just see how much more McLeod is irreplaceable. But – uh, I'm and total agree with you. I think they're going to play majority dime coverage. I think it's going to be majority dime. And when you say that, I there you go. There's the opportunity for Mills. There's the opportunity for Parsons. There's the opportunity for Wallace right then and there. Right. So I want to get uh, these guys to the field. And oh yeah, I like you t- how you hit the versatility because of the couple episodes that we discussed on here. Tyler brought it up. Johnny brought it up. I brought it up uh, after they did though because they actually pointed it out to me and I actually thought, yeah, you know that, that sounds right to me. I always thought Jalen Mills is way better around the line of scrimmage. I, I love the transition to safety. I think in college at LSU, he was doing a little bit of that while also covering the, the slot very well. Uh, but to me... I'm excited to, see, I'm excited to see Mills in the box. Like you said, we haven't seen it, but we have an idea. He's better in press. He's a good tackler. Mm-hmm. But we just haven't seen it been put together and have seen him play. He has really field. good run recognition too. I like his run recognition. He could really his, uh, step best, out a run real His quick. best traits are his instincts. It's it's he's so good at reacting, but and that's why he gets caught on double moves is because he's always looking right. in the backfield. But the, right. if the, he could just play aggressive, that'll be that'll be a, like a really good thing for his career. Right, and I mean with the cornerback pitcher, the cornerback two pitcher being as it is, Sidney Jones being unproven, injuries piling up, Avante uh, Maddox, we don't know if he can last on the outside. They could also move Jalen Mills back there, and not only that, they don't have to move back there. It could be they're playing the Saints and they want to put Mills on uh, Michael Thomas. Maybe I, I'm not saying to do that, but you get on my point. Jeez, they I might, they might see some, they might see some. Yeah, I hope not either. But they might see like some, some physical wide receivers where they think we need to put Mills on him on the outside. That's my point. So they they can do so much depending on matchups with their defensive backfield that they couldn't do before because so much money was allocated to Ronnie McLeod's former contract and Malcolm Jenkins' former contract. Now it's all these guys they have that they could use at their disposal. And Marquis Manuel, I think, is a huge addition to the DB room. I like it. I, I think it's going to be a great seed. I'm not so down the, the safety position as everybody else is because they got rid of Malcolm Jenkins. Hell no. I think it's more the 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 person Malcolm Jenkins. I think it's more the right. Uh, he kind of became an uh, an icon when he was there. Uh, so right, so that's, we love him. He was a great player right. for us and everything. But I mean, I I I think last year was probably his worst year on the Eagles. The, they put in a lot of guys that makes it exciting to see who replaces him, and that's that. That's what it's all about. Because if you just let him go and not really have an answer for it, that'll be the, the conversation will be a lot different. True, absolutely right. I agree with that completely. But let's segue into who do we think the rookie would be that has the most impact? Thomas, I have a feeling I know your answer now. Oh, you know my answer? I don't ah, know. Great. I might not. I might not. But it sounds like <laughs> you're Kayvon Wallace, huge uh, hype man, and. So, so, so I, I've been talking about this for a couple of times now, and what I think I came down to is who the most impactful rookie will be is uh, like you can put it into two boxes. It's, um, it's how how ready they are to play in the NFL. So, if you take a look at the guy like Davion Taylor, who didn't play at the highest level, he he didn't play a lot of games. 
Uh, he's easily one of the the the, the players Eagles drafted that played the, the fewest snaps. Super raw guy, but the competition, which is the second part, what competition are they going to play against? Davion has a real chance to get significant playing time early, simply because Eagles are not really good at linebacker outside of TJ Edwards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Got to get the TJ Edwards in there. Oh, man. Um, Johnny's going to be so, pissed when he hears this episode. He's becoming a huge Nate Gary stand now. Right, and I, I don't get that. But I'm I'm never going to get that until I actually see Nate Gary play some real good football. Like, he may, he makes some flash plays, but other than that, he's just so fundamentally flawed I can't watch it anymore. Um, but I but have to agree. Davion it, it would be my sneaky pick. Now, Jack Driscoll would be uh, – before Jason Peters was signed, Jack Driscoll would be one of the guys who would say the competition is not um, – would not be as steep for him to, to win a starting job. Um, and then the, 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 how ready they would be to play. I think K1 Wallace would be one of my, well, would be one of my favorite picks. Um, he played really well, played at a high level and played a lot of snaps and improved a lot. And again, the competition is, is tough, but they don't have a, a certified starter there. Um, so, so I think it, it, it kind of depends how you're going to look at it. I think, um, I think Davion is one of the guys who has the the easiest chance of winning regular playing time, but uh, Kawan Wallace, I would say, would be one of my top picks of how ready he is uh, to play. I have absolutely no idea what to expect from Davion Taylor. Because right? Isn't that, that's so, it's so exciting. <laughs> I you really don't. Nobody like does. He just, his his role at Colorado is like a hybrid nickel. Linebacker. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect exactly. way to put it. A hybrid nickel. You can't transfer a hybrid that. nickel linebacker. That, that's the exactly. perfect way but to it say kind of, that. It kind of plays into what we just had the conversation of at safety, exactly. though. Exactly. You know, you can have the it, – it's technically a dime package, but if you have him as one of your – I mean, if you, how cool would that be to have him as your middle linebacker on like a third and like what? 15 or something? That's the point like, that, because Johnny's not that high on him. And that's the point I made at Johnny. I was like, well, you're not high on him because you're thinking of the prototypical linebacker. I'm thinking of where the NFL is going at linebacker. And he has the instincts and the athleticism to translate where the NFL is going at linebacker. He kind of reminds me of Fred Warner. I just, sounds crazy, I, but he covers a lot of space, and he's very rangy. He's a very rangy athlete. He's just so raw in the terms of linebacking, and I'm not sure that this team can develop a linebacker. So that's the only thing. Right. That's what scares me. Like, if he got drafted to, like, Pittsburgh or, like, Baltimore, I'd be like, dude, this guy's going to be so tight. <laughs> but right. I, don't, I don't know how he's going to play here. Um, but what you were uh, saying, Tom, ah, dude, I just lost my train of thought. And you, you made a good point with I can keep I can keep talking Go about ahead. it a little bit. You'll Go, see. No, so, oh, no, so, that's what it was. I just I don't think I don't think there's going to be a huge role for Taylor in 2020. That's my only thing. I, I think it's going to be really hard for him to see the. I would love it because I'm excited about his potential. I just don't know. Like I said, it's just in 2020, it's going to be hard for him to shape out a role. Um, exactly. Yeah, but but well, really, what what he's what, what he is all about. Like they drafted him because of the physical trait that he presents, and and what he could be. Um, and and if he can if he can show out a little bit early um, with, with the chances that he that he gets with show some speed and show some uh, that he can cover some ground quickly and, and deliver big hits. I mean he's he's far and behind. He's far in in, in showing out uh, in terms of some of the other. Um, he covers a lot of space. He covers a lot he of space. He, this I, isn't I, a rookie, like 
what do you guys expect from Jannard Avery? Do you think they're going to have him off ball, or do you think they're going to oh, have his right. hand in the ground? I have no I, idea. I think it's going to be a mix of both because they had Derek Barnett off ball a couple times last year. He just sucked at it. So I think which maybe, is a waste to me. Like I just, yeah. I just like Jannard Avery. I'm just, I. It's another guy that they traded a fourth round pick for. Like, you better have some type of plan for him. And I'm not worried. I'm not because uh, I mean they they take the like I count Jannard Avery as a fourth round pick defensive end that they do because they always go in the fourth round. They draft the defensive end, make him a complete project, and they they can make some out of him. And it's finally worked with one of them finally now with Josh Sweat. I just think trust the process that they did with Josh Sweat is what they're going to do with Jannard Avery. And I think he I think he will be fine. I think Jannard Avery has a lot of tools. I like him a lot. If you go back to watch his Cleveland film, not not the year that not not the one they just traded him the year before that though, he looks like a good pass rusher. He looks like he's going to be the compliment guy to uh, Miles Garrett. So I like Jannard Avery a lot. I just think there's a lot of hurdles that's got to go with him. I think this year I don't want to say Josh West 2019 season. I want to say maybe it's 2018 season. We see the type of role Jannard Avery has, but I don't know. Who knows if they even bring Vinny Curry back? Because right now, the defensive end position, Jernard Davies is their fourth defensive end. So, and the fourth defensive end plays a lot in the system. So, who knows? Uh, I think, by the way, it's absolutely nuts that we talked about uh, rookies with impact and we haven't mentioned Jalen Rager. Well, that's oh, what I was about that, to do, though. Yeah, that was, that's that, that was my pick. Selection, right? <laughs> it is. That's what I was going to yeah. say. It's the cop-out selection, but that is my pick. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so basically, Jalen Rager's role in in the 2020 season and why he is absolutely going to be the rookie that has the most impact is that he is everything they needed in the 2019 season. When you watched every single game of that entire season, the only thing you can like just look back, watch three games, three random games, and you think, where the hell is the speed? Like there is there was no speed on the offense whatsoever after Deshaun Jackson went out. And, and, and that is exactly what Rager brings. And when I watched Rager and when I did all the film on him, I said, oh, the, uh, routes, not that great, yada, yada. Uh, I, I put a lot of stock into it. But then really, you can make it as simple as he had, he had the most plays of 15 yards of all wide receivers. In, in, um, in, no, wait, third most uh, explosive plays of over 15 yards uh, as a percentage. He had the third most contested catches of college football players last season. I, he he was he was put in such a bad situation at TCU, and he is he's so incredibly gifted as an athlete. I can't imagine how frustrated he was. Watching his film was so frustrating because not only was the quarterback really bad, but the scheme like they didn't move him around. Like they just right. put him at put him on the outside right side, and they were just like, "Yeah, just do your thing." Like move him around, be creative with him. Like, um, by the way, uh, Connor, I looked uh, the last seven seasons for Deshaun Jackson. He's averaged 13 games uh, a year. So I'm going to go into this year expecting about 13 games. Uh, I'm hoping because the last he seven, I can only on go off what history is doing. And that's including the, the season with just three games. He slipped on the field in Atlanta during pregame warmups and was out for the rest of the season. So I'm not, let's just uh, hope this year, if he gets, I'm he, does play journey, a lot. he gets surgery. As a yeah. fan, I want to see what Wentz's stats would be if he had a Rager and, and Deshaun for at least 13 right. games. Oh, 13 games of them two would be cool. Air yards. He's make the most impact. I think it's going to be around week six is when he really hits his stride because once a playmaker tra- – it doesn't matter. I Would you see a playmaker transition then if I like Odell Beckham might go back to his rookie season? Because he had the injury in preseason where he started out slow. It took him around like week four, I think, week five four, against yeah. Atlanta to really hit his stride because he scored two touchdowns and he 
lit it up the rest of the season after that. Once you can make plays and be a playmaker in the NFL and you find that, like, itch to make those plays, it's done. Yeah, you're you're good after that. And Jalen Rigger has that ability. He's a huge playmaker. Huge playmaker. How you, how cool would it be? How cool would it be if, if we're getting training reports or training camp like reports and we hear that Wentz is already throwing the Rager? Like, well, here's my thing. You go into last season and the Eagles tied for second in uh no Deshaun Jackson tied for second in forty yard plus touchdowns last year and he only played one game. <laughs> yeah. Jalen Rager, but had the fastest play. In college football, that would have been the fastest play in the NFL last year on his score for touchdown last year. So his offense is going to be. That's what I'm saying. If you, even if Deshaun Jackson's not there, which I hope he is, obviously, I, I obviously want Deshaun Jackson to play a lot. That'd be great. Um, if Jalen Rager hits that stride around week four, week five, week six, watch out, watch out, because they had two 40-yard bombs against Washington. With Sean Jackson, that one game once played with him, one game, the first game they ever played together. Once him and, and Jalen hit that stride, it's not only the speed of Rager that's so impressive. It like just looking at it at, at his mock draftable chart, it's just off. Like it, it's absurd. He's in the sixtieth percentile in weight, and yet he's in ninety eighth percentile broad jump, ninety eighth percentile vertical jump, and then you know how fast he is. Like on top of that. And when you're the, seeing the, the number of contested catches he made in in the um, in the end zone for TCU, then you just have you have so much more than just a speed guy. You guys complain about the accuracy that he had to deal with. I think it was an actually an added advantage for him in the NFL because if you go back to look at like when he first started playing for TCU up until last year, that guy learned how to make catches outside his frame at an absurd rate for his size. Yeah. I can can't even believe it. When I see people compare him to Derek Mason or Steve Smith, I absolutely see that because those guys were smaller guys that could make incredible out of radius of their frame catches. And he so has an Jalen alpha Rager. personality, and that's what he does have want. an. Oh, dude, I you love Jalen Rager. I was so high on Jalen Rager before. He's gonna uh, come in the NFL draft. like, holy, these are so easy passes. Like, what is that? <laughs> What's going right. on here? And people complain saw... about his drops because he had seven, I think, this past year. But the year prior, he had four on 131 targets. So I saw there's somebody obviously got to be something a, there. A five foot eleven Julio Jones. <laughs> I was like, that's a cool comparison. That is a I cool don't mind it. I mean, that'd be awesome. Um, the thing with I think that a lot of people really harp on for jobs. I think it's such an overrated stat to be honest with you, because a lot of people don't take into the fact that quarterbacks have touch. There's always a different type of touch with quarterbacks. And Shane Robinson and Max Dugan, Shane Robinson would gift the ball to Jalen Rager. The ball would just float into his hands. Max Dugan would throw these missiles, like just throw these straight line bullets. I think that played more factor into the increase in drops than Jalen Rager's hands did. Drops 100% play into QB. I don't know if you remember, but Sam Bradford, wherever he went, his his receivers dropped right, Because the ball. he puts no touch on his passes. Yes. I, it's, a, it's a huge thing that people miss when evaluating drops. It is a real thing. Matt Stafford also has a tendency to, yeah. It, yeah, it definitely yeah, he doesn't have touch to, on it. Oh, no. Matt, yeah. Matt Stafford doesn't have touch on his pass. It's a straight line bullet. It plays into QB play for sure. Just to put a little uh, just to put a little spice on it so it doesn't get all Rager here, there were a couple of uh, drops that he had in his 2019 season that were really, really bad. And and it it is something that he needs to show is not going to carry over to the NFL when he actually has a quarterback that can throw the football. But 
I, I, I totally on board with you guys. I think he's, uh, I think he's got a lot of, a lot of attributes that's going to work well in the NFL and early. I, he's one of the guys that I could see actually produce uh, of the wide receivers. Like we were snobbed for last season with all the the rookie wide receivers who just went off, uh, say Terry McLaurin. And, and I think this year we could actually have a guy who transitions easier to the NFL than, say, J.J. Otega-Wyset would because Rager is not going to need that much uh, – he's not going to de- demand as much technician work in his routes as, say, J.J. Otega-Wyset would do because he can straight up beat a slow corner with speed. Uh, and yeah. Right. If you have the assets Jalen Rager has, your transition is automatically easier. Like, it's just the truth because it's going to be hard it, to keep up with him speed-wise. It's going to be hard to keep – his. His double moves, I think, are on the same line as Stephon Diggs. His double moves are – they throw corners off. He's going to be getting guys right out of their cleats. Yeah, there's a, there's a chance. I mean, if things go right, that he, he'll be in the, the uh, rookie of the year conversation. There's a chance. I, I mean, agree. No, I agree. Happen, so you're but... saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> there's definitely a chance. I don't know if it's going to happen because of the high volume of, like, Zach Ertz and this offense and everybody else. But uh, I, I agree with you, though. I, I – Totally agree. I mean, he's if, a playmaker. If Sean were to go down and he were to slide in, then I mean, as, yeah, then absolutely, then then absolutely, because then he's your number one yeah. wide receiver. Then because I, I the, behind Deshaun Jackson, there's no one I would say I would trust more than, and it's that's not a good thing. But there's nobody I would trust more than Jalen Rager. I know you guys here might say Marquise Goodwin, but uh, John Howtower is another guy that 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 I think could be a, yes, a, a I contributor, love John but Howard. but. The, the the problem I have with him is that when when he went into the combine he was listed as six one one eighty nine and and at, at a certain point you just get a little bit worried that even though they're fast that they're gonna get uh, beat off their their route a little bit to 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 get enough mistiming to not be a contributor early while a guy like Jalen Rager who's listed at five eleven around two ten and still running as fast as he is like there's more mass to move with him and you're not going to beat him off his route as easily but but in the long run i think john Howard, hightower is a guy to to keep an eye on maybe not I this year love, but but at least for the long run i agree I like with you i was i was I, I was big on john hightower before the draft too he reminds me so much of john brown but i do agree though he doesn't use that as weight because john brown is even like 10 pounds was it mike k who said that uh that Sneaky hightower Preston, that was jim kevsky no, no. He said that uh, Hightower could step in and be the guy that they thought Mac, Mac Collins would be. Oh, yeah. Mike K did say that. Right. I agree with him with that. Yeah, I do agree yeah. with him with that. But uh, Jimmy Kemsky actually compared him to Steve Breston. I was like, I wish. I hope. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. All right. That'd be awesome. Uh, Long term, st- uh, you have Jalen Rager and the guy who's playing like Steve Breston. That's cool with me, man. That's a good little tandem for once. But right. Thomas, plug in the YouTube channel, man. We got to get everybody to go watch your film studies because they are actually very informative and I love them. <laughs> it's been a long time since I posted things there. I can't wait for football to actually start so I can put some actual footage up there. But it is Breaking the Birds um, on YouTube. There's there's going to be some some hopefully some more stuff coming up in uh, in the preseason. But once the once the season hits, that's just going to be that's going to be red hot. I love it. And then Philly Sports Network, of course, you can find Thomas's work on there as articles. Also, keep up the great work on Twitter, man. You are thanks, man. You are <laughs> every time I see you put a tweet out, it's like three hundred retweets, four four thousand likes. Like, and it's just people family. have nothing to do right now, Connor. So they're just going to retweet everything that has something to do with football. I like it though. You're putting out facts at least. Or you're educating the people that need to be educated. So I appreciate it, and that's why we had to have you on the pod to discuss these topics today. Thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. It has also been a pleasure to have you on Eagles Brawl. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to keep leaving those five-star ratings and reviews. Tyler loves being on the show. You know, he's your uh, mother's favorite co-host. 
Zach Ertz's mom loved that one. That was nuts. Zach Ertz's <laughs> mom loved that. Man, she retweeted everything you said. She retweeted the whole entire podcast episode. Shouts Just, to the support from the Ertz family, I want to say, man. shout out to Zach Ertz's mom for supporting the show because Thomas brought it up earlier, and I had to bring it up again. Um, the Zach Ertz episode actually really took off for us for some reason. I think people love uh, Tyler's, like, religious and love for Zach Ertz, but – Zach Ertz's mom retweeted it and it was over. And she yeah. she was DMing the show. She was DMing Tyler. Like, like, I, oh man, it was cool, we amazing. Had, yeah, that I was had, awesome. I had to call my mom. I called my mom and let her know. I was like, man, this is nuts. That is awesome. <laughs> Just for saying some words over a microphone, uh, yeah. really caught the attention of Zach Ertz's mom. I love it. Uh, you slid in her DMs, didn't you? Say, hey, can we get slid in can his? We- she slid in his. Yeah, exactly. But Tyler has to get back on that and say, "All right, right." But you, if you really want to show appreciation, you get Zach Ertz on our show. Oh yeah, we gotta Man. get Zach on the show. We're, we're definitely gotta gonna, get Zach on. We're gonna, we have to talk about Zach Ertz for at least like three more episodes before we can uh, ask her. I can do that. All right, we'll try to get Zach Ertz on the show. You're here. here. <laughs> Eagles roll first. Tyler Steggy's gonna try to get Zach Ertz on the show. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24 7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit freedommortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state dash licensing. Equal housing opportunity. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.